Hello, I'm Major Adrian Allman. And I'm Captain Claire Allman. Welcome to the Birmingham Citadel Salvation Army podcast series. Birmingham Citadel is a Christian church located in Birmingham City Centre here in the UK. Each episode is a live recording of the Bible message shared during the Sunday worship service. It's good to have you share with us. And as you listen now, we pray that God will speak to you. May you know God's abundant blessing today. So a man received a parrot as a gift. The parrot was fully grown with a bad, very bad attitude and worse vocabulary. Every other word was a swear word. Those that weren't swearing were, to say the least, very rude. The man tried to change the bird's attitude by constantly saying polite words and playing soft music, anything that he could think of, but nothing worked. He yelled at the bird and the bird got worse. He shook the bird and the bird became even madder and ruder. Finally, in a moment of desperation, the man put the parrot in the freezer to get him in its peace. Now, this is a story. This is a story. For a few moments, he heard the bird swearing and squawking and kicking and screaming. Then suddenly, there was absolute quiet. The man was frightened that he might have actually hurt the bird and quickly opened a freezer door. The parrot calmly stepped out onto the man's extended arm. Perfectly calm, the parrot said, I am very sorry that I offended you with my language and my actions, and I ask for your forgiveness. I will endeavor to correct my behavior, and I am sure that it will never happen again. The man was astounded at the changes in the bird's attitude and was about to ask what had changed him when the parrot continued, May I ask what the turkey did? Well, that parrot certainly changed his attitude with the risk of death like the turkey in the freezer. So he thought. Part of our adoration and worship of the Son involves the desire to be like him, to emulate his characteristics. Like the parrot, we need to change our attitude so to be in line with Christ. We need to be like-minded with him. And that's what Paul was saying here to the Philippians. The new attitude is marked by several characteristics and exemplified in Jesus Christ, which Paul highlights in this letter to the Philippians. In this letter, the Christians at Philippi were facing such significant opposition that I guess it was difficult for them to keep worshipping Jesus. So Paul writes to them to challenge them to stay firm in their faith. He begins chapter 2 of Philippians with some words of support. And these verses describe how a Christian is to live in the world, especially in the face of opposition. Rick Warren, in his book, The 40 Days of Purpose, writes this. You were created to become like Christ. From the very beginning, God's plan has been to make you like his son, Jesus. This is your destiny. And with that in mind, let's just spend a few moments looking at those characteristics of Jesus, the Son of God, that Paul writes about us emulating. And perhaps, as we do, you may want to ask yourself if you live out these characteristics already, or perhaps there are ones that you actually need to work on. So first of all, Paul talks to us about being like-minded with Christ by showing humility. I heard someone say, if only I had a little humility, I would be perfect. 
Benjamin Franklin once said, there is perhaps no natural passion so hard to subdue as pride. Disguise it, struggle with it, mortify it as much as one pleases. It is still alive and will every now and then peep out and show itself. Even if I could conceive that I had completely overcome it, I would probably be proud of my humility. It's like the man who was awarded the humility medal by his co-workers, but they had to take it away from him because he kept wearing it around every day. In chapter 1 of Philippians, some were preaching Christ out of selfish ambition to stir up trouble for Paul while he was in jail. So apparently there is a little problem of people doing things for their own glory and praise. Paul knows that people who are wrapped up in themselves make very small presents. Knowing that they are dealing with selfish people and attitudes, he wants to draw their focus off themselves and back onto a Christ-like attitude. Have you ever noticed you don't need to teach selfishness? It almost comes naturally. A Christ-centered attitude has to be developed. Toddlers are great, but they can be the most selfish people on the planet. They always want something now. They don't want to share. They throw temper tantrums when they don't get their way. But actually, can't we all be like that at times? Often? Perhaps we do it in a bit of more of a subtle way. But we throw temper tantrums. We do, do look out for our best interests in, instead of others. And we do it sometimes just because it's easier. And the parable of the Good Samaritan is a great example of this. The priest and the Levi didn't want to take time to help the man because it was an inconvenience to their schedule. If we're too busy with our own needs to see the needs of others, we're losing our focus. Notice Paul doesn't say that you should never take care of your own needs, but that you should look for ways to help others. When we focus on others' needs, a selfish attitude will be replaced by a selfless attitude, which is what Christ demonstrates for us. Philippians 2 points out to us that the greatest reason for believing in the power of selfless life is the example of Christ. In the book Descending to Greatness, it says, just think about it. Jesus was equal with God. He was the ultimate object of praise in all the heavens. But he willingly chose to descend to this earth, not as a glorious, worthy king, worthy of all worship, but as a helpless baby in a dirty animal stable. So from the very beginning of Jesus' time here on earth, he showed us that we would, he would go to any length to bring us back to God. Some other world religions say that you have to reach up to heaven, but God wanted to show his undying love by reaching down to us with his son Jesus. He didn't just descend to the stable. His whole life and ministry was an example of this continual descent right to the cross. Verse 8 says that he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And if the story ended there, we wouldn't be here this morning. Three days later, God exalted him, as verse 9 says, and gave him the name that is above every name. Because of his obedient descent, his humility, God exalted him. And because of Christ, we have a reason to rejoice. So our first characteristic is this humility. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Then secondly, Paul talks about his service when he writes about our service, when he writes that Jesus took the very nature of a servant. 
Servanthood is what Jesus demonstrated in his earthly ministry. He even specifically mentioned it as one of the reasons he came to earth. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. I read about that before it was commonplace to have international students come to university in this country. The story is told of one student who came from a developing country. He was shown around the campus, um, and after seeing all the accommodation, the student was asked where he would like to live on the campus and whilst, whilst he was there at, attend, at university. And he replied, if there's a room that no one wants, give that room to me. Well, the president was visibly moved by this young man's response over the years, he'd welcomed thousands of, of, of students to the campus, and none had made even such a request. If there is a room that no one wants, give that room to me. And that's the kind of meekness Jesus exemplified. If there's a job that no one wants to do, I'll do that job. If there's a someone that no one wants to eat lunch with, I'll eat with them. If there's a hardship someone has to endure, I'll take that hardship. If there's a sacrifice someone needs to make, I'll make that sacrifice. Think about it. Jesus born as a baby in a stable, baptized by his cousin in the Jordan River, a carpenter by trade, an itinerant preacher, so poor that the scriptures say he had no place to lay his head, taking the very nature of a servant. In John's Gospel, we see Jesus and the disciples together in the upper room the night before Jesus is crucified. Jesus wants to impress upon his followers the importance of being a servant and having the attitude of servanthood. So Jesus wraps a towel around his waist, takes a bowl of water, and begins to perform the task of the lowliest servant in any household. He washes the feet of the followers. And in John 13, it says... When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Neither I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet. You should also wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who has sent him. Now you know these things. You'll be blessed if you do them. Jesus didn't serve because he had to. He served because he had a willing heart. This morning, how's your heart? Do you have a willing heart to serve others? He knew that being a servant meant being in some uncomfortable circumstances. Following Christ's call to be a servant isn't always easy. Sometimes God calls us to serve those who we would really not choose to serve. Jesus lived not to make a show of his authority, but to humbly serve because he had a willing heart and was willing to face the consequences of service. Do we have a heart to serve? And are we willing to face the consequences? To be a good servant, we need to be obedient to the work we are called to do. You can't serve if you can't obey. You can't serve if you can't obey. Which leads us on to this final characteristic that Paul talks about in his letter to the Philippians. Obedience. One time when Muhammad Ali was at the height of his boxing career, he was about to take off on a flight and the stewardess reminded him to fasten his seatbelt. He defiantly folded his arms and said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. The flight attendant quickly replied, Superman don't need no airplane, fasten your seatbelt. And Ali fastened his seatbelt. 
Now contrast that with the perfect example. Paul goes on to describe Christ by saying he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. He was arrested like a common criminal, ridiculed and beaten, stripped of his clothing and nailed to a cross in front of a crowd. This was not just any death, but the most painful, visible, memorable and humiliating death that one could ever imagine. Why? Because he came to do what his father wanted him to do. There was no arguing, no asking, why God? Why me, God? No delaying, simply the desire to be obedient. In John 14, Jesus said, whoever has my commands and loves and commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love him and show myself to him. Our obedience is an outpouring of our love for the Son and for God. Our obedience is an outpouring of our love for the Son and for God. Jesus didn't consider equality with God something to be held onto, but descended into greatness. He stepped down, not up. That's the person I want to be in charge of my life. That's the person I want to serve with my whole heart. That's the person I want to be obedient to. That's the person I want to put my complete hope and trust in for the rest of eternity. What about you? How's your son worship today? Is your love for the son reflected in your obedience to him today? Is your love for the son reflected in your obedience to him today? In all humility and in constant and full dependence on God, we are to work out our salvation. Hear once more the word of Rick Warren. God's ultimate goal for your life on earth is not comfort, it's very small, but character development. He wants you to grow up spiritually and become like Christ. Becoming like Christ does not mean losing your personality or becoming a mindless clone. God created your uniqueness, so he certainly doesn't want to destroy it. Christ-likeness is all about transforming your character, not your personality. Warren then later says, becoming like Christ is a long, slow process of growth. But it's an investment if we keep at it, isn't it? In what are you willing to invest the rest of your life? I believe with all my heart that God's greatest desire for you and me is that we become more like his son emulate his characteristics, are like-minded with him. The more that our character conforms to Christ, the closer we will be to the person God created us to be. And so I urge you to commit yourself, to recommit yourself today to the lifelong goal of becoming more like Christ. We were created by God to become like his son. Start today. Or renew your commitment today to grow in the likeness of your Lord. This is what you are created for. 
So just as we reflect on what the Lord is saying to us this morning, we're going to sing together a song, King of Kings, Majesty. And it's a song which allows us to commit ourselves or recommit ourselves to serving and investing in the sun. And it's a beautiful song of sun, sun worship. In it, we make this declaration, I live to serve your majesty. Do you serve him? Do you live to serve him? We all know the reality of being Christ-minded all the time is difficult. Our own attitudes and desires come to the fore regularly. But thankfully, God recognizes this. And that's why serving him and being Christ-minded is a process. And every day, if we set out to earnestly seek him in all we do and work at that process, I really believe that God honors that. But we've got to put the work in. It's not going to happen magically, but his spirit helps us to do that. And so as we pray and sing this declaration, we ask for a fresh infilling of God's spirit in our lives, enabling us to live a life that is keeping with the attitude of Christ and perhaps to show us the areas that we need to work on today. And so let's sing this declaration together. And allow the Lord to speak to you and challenge you and encourage you in being like-minded with him today. Thank you.
to serve your majesty in humility, in service and obedience. O God, who wonderfully created and yet more wonderfully restored the dignity of human nature, grant that we may share the divine life of him who humbled himself to share our humanity, your son Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray and are forever grateful for all that he has amazingly done for us. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. So you don't miss any further recordings, please subscribe to this podcast and also share and review it to help other people find and join our Birmingham Citadel online congregation. This has been a production for Birmingham Citadel Salvation Army in the United Kingdom. If you'd like to know more about us or want to worship with us, then visit our webpage at birminghamcitadel.co.uk.